Welcome, Welcome to, to Hearts and Other Sex Parts, Parts, a podcast about redefining yourself and your relationships. We're your queer hosts. I'm Keely C. Helmick, licensed professional counselor. And I'm Jay, resident queermo and sex ambassador. This podcast is a safer space for the LGBTQIA community, people of color, all genders and gender nonconforming individuals, differently abled people, and individuals who practice non-traditional relationships. These discussions will be strictly body and sex positive. Our pronouns are she, her. For every guest we have on the show, we invite them to share their pronouns as well, should they choose to. And at the end of every podcast, we'll close with a poem or excerpt that goes with the theme of the show. And today we are in a group cuddle room. Surrounded by stuffed animals. animals. (laughs) We're in the group cuddle room of Cuddle Up To Me and we're here with Kira Cuddles. Welcome. Thank you. Hi. Thank you, Keely and Jay, for having me on this podcast. Heck yeah. I'm super excited. <laughs> <laughs> so Kira is a master cuddler at Cuddle Up To Me, which is a professional platonic cuddling service here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Kira became a certified professional cuddler in 2014. And in the last four years, she has helped countless individuals find a new sense of self-worth. Kira has a balanced approach to, to life with a master's of science in nutrition and additional uh, professional training in Reiki and yoga. That's super cool. Uh, Her diversity training and experience can help transform you mentally and physically. Kira has challenged the status quo by helping people understand consent and communication while empowering them to explore safe and appropriate platonic platonic touch in their day-to-day lives, as well as in sessions. So what exactly is platonic touch, Kira? So platonic touch is affectionate, safe, non-sexual touch. Okay. And we... There's consent in that. Are you... Yes. Is that what you're... Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's consented touch. Um, here we present people like where their sister or their mother, ideally, where we just present them with non-judgment and hold space for people. And... Um, and there's no sexual touch. Okay. Yeah. Good. It's a good differentiation. Platonic. Yeah. Platonic. Understanding okay. platonic for listeners and for everybody to understand that difference. Yeah. So Sam Hess is the founder of Cuddle Up To Me. And Jay and I read Sam's book, Touch, The Power of Human Connection. And there's a piece where she states, my guiding principle is simple. Create a self-perpetuating cycle of positivity When our personal needs are satisfied, it is easier to help others achieve the same feeling. When we struggle to feel whole, we lack the emotional resources to help others. Kira, why is touch important to cultivating this positivity? So touch is a language of communication for us within our culture. And um, when we provide that touch to others, it's a way to communicate that we care for them or Mm -hmm. that we love them in whatever array you think of love. And, um, And so when people come in here, whether it's the mailman or one of our clients, they are always welcomed with a huge hug as long as they consent to it. Mm-hmm. And um, Well, yeah, Kara, when we walked in, one of the things I noticed is that you, you specifically asked if you could give us a hug. You didn't come up right away and give us a hug, which like 
that can happen a lot, but you were very clear on consent. Like you wanted to give us a hug, but you made sure first. Absolutely. And that's one of the things we teach in our consent workshops and our group cuddles is how to not just open your arms wide and force somebody to hug you, you know, to wait and ask the ask and wait method. The ask and wait method. What is the ask and wait method? So it's basically where I would go up to you and keep my arms down and say, um, Keely, can I have a hug instead of with my arms wide open? And wide oh, open. that is yeah. consent, people. Yes. Can One we practice sentence. that in yeah. elementary school? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, going back to your original question, um, Healing te- healing touch helps us all feel whole. You know, we all have so many wounds and traumas in our life and you never know what somebody's going through. And so we all deserve love and kindness and to be treated with that every day. And so um, when you have somebody who has received a really good massage or was in a great yoga class or um, just is feeling happy, they beam that joy. Yeah, those good feels. And so when somebody leaves here, they feel lighter. They feel less stressed. Mm-hmm. They um, And so they'll go out and create this butterfly effect um, and make smiles or do something kind for somebody else or whatever that may be. And that goes out into the world. Nice. Well, yeah, that's a touch. Like when we talk to Jesse, it's like the oxytocin. Yes. Like the, the cuddles. Yeah. The cuddles are bringing on the oxytocin, like Absolutely. a good meal, like other things. That yeah. feel good feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I found it really interesting that the research on touch across the various cultures in the world, um, in the, in Sam's book, she mentioned how some Western cultures are pretty touch deprived and that, uh, it's especially true of the United States, actually. Yeah. And then it went into, which I found really interesting, that non-human primates spend like 10 to 20 percent of their waking day grooming each other. Yeah. And things like that. So absolutely. Um, what have you found or uh, what is the research on the, the various cultures, I guess, in, in terms of touch? The regarding touch within the U- United States, it breaks my heart. You are mm-hmm. absolutely correct. Um and so Sidney Gerard did a study a long time ago with in cafes all over the world. And he found that within an hour of sitting there watching people interact, two people in England wouldn't interact, wouldn't touch at all in that hour. Within the United States, it was only twice Within France, it was 110 times. Whoa. Yeah. And Puerto Rico, it was 180 times. Dang. We have just been trained. In one hour? In one hour. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd slap my hand if I touched you that many times. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely from the United States, as you can tell. I'm a theater person. What can I say? That is really fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then I, you know, spoke to a journalist from The Guardian in the UK, and she told me that doctors now aren't allowed to console or comfort their patients anymore. Are not allowed to? Because they're scared of legal action. If negative... 
if yeah. they have to give negative news or something like that. Like it's like natural reaction to want to hug the person. Absolutely. They can't. Right. But okay. yet UC Berkeley has found that if a doctor will pat their patient on the back or console them in any way that their sense of survival for intense diseases actually goes up. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Absolutely. You know? And same in the UK with um, students. Teachers barely touch their students now. So in classrooms, teachers, if they will pat a student on the back, the student is three times more likely to raise their hand and respond in class. It basically invites more open discussion and welcomes welcomes that. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, we're such like the United States and you're talking about the UK as well. Like it's such these cultures that emphasize individuality and and really are lacking this this physical touch and are almost like scared of it. Yes. Like we're like scared of it. And so then it becomes this like the more the more we're not allowed to do it, it becomes more of this like hidden and which like makes people hide even more. Well, I think it's just a reaction of like, why are you touching me? You know, I mean, sometimes <laughs> I mean, that is what I think sometimes like when sometimes when someone is laughing and they like touch my leg or something, I think we because we're not accustomed to that, as you mentioned in our culture as much, that we take it as sexual. I mean, I know I have. Mm-hmm. You know, we take it as sexual and someone may not mean it sexually at all. They're just a touchy person and and we take it wrong. So I think that's part of the reason why we're we I think we are afraid of it sometimes. Well and so we're talking like culturally differences and then also like living in a patriarchal society. You know, how do our socialized gender roles affect the amount of touch that men engage in versus, you know, versus women engage in? Keeping in mind that the research available on this topic is done mostly on cis men and cis women. So we're speaking generally, but like... That's an interesting question. Yeah, like what is the difference? Like how do we, how is it different? It's interesting that you ask that because when you were saying everything you were saying before, my head immediately went to men. Mm -hmm. Because today men, most of masculinity men see through media. Yeah. And they see that um, aggression is good and um, emotional repression and um, sexualizing women. And um, yeah, I think we yeah, we generally assume that men will just collapse into into sexuality in in the tiniest touch Mm -hmm. and that touch is bad. That's Mm -hmm. what is shown throughout media. And that's what we've been taught but it perpetuates it like if you're not touched if you're not touched then you're going to it is going to be more arousing Mm -hmm. like when when touch is normalized more Mm -hmm. in a platonic way Mm -hmm. then there isn't as much of an issue but if you if you are deprived of physical touch and all of a sudden someone touches you like you were saying jay that react that reaction having a really strong reaction whether it's like of disdain or very sexual feeling is because of the lack of touch. Right. Yeah. And so it perpetuates this cycle. It does. And it's, well, so regarding just platonic touch and that um, excitement around touch, the way we present touch here is instead of that light, sensual touch, we yeah. do more um, pressure 
with uh-huh. our touch. Like a firm, so a like, firm uh-huh. touch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that way people are less likely to get aroused if they're not as comfortable with touch and it's not as common in their life, you know? And with regarding men, it's, um, I have so many friends who have male friends who have confided in me and said that they are scared to brush by a woman in the grocery store because, oh no, what if she thinks that they're, um, that their mind is somewhere else, you Mm -hmm. know, and that, um, well, leaves a lot of men that wouldn't otherwise be aggressive or sexual in nature, having to basically walk around proving themselves and gaining people's trust before they can even do any sort of platonic touching. Absolutely. (laughs) Like that, the laughing and hand on the knee and things like that. They, I think we, we definitely, our culture needs to earn a needs to learn and earn a man's trust before we feel comfortable with that and go, okay, they're not doing this sexually. That can take a while. And so a lot of men today are um, repressed a little bit around touch um, or a lot of it around touch. Well, yeah. And we're also, and I, and as you're talking, I'm thinking about this and it's like, well, also because we're such a um, generally speaking homophobic society mm-hmm. because we're saying like this like I'm hearing this undertone as we're talking I'm catching it you know this like male female touch don't touch me bro yeah but like right. men you know there was something she talked about in her book and I think about like teams like sports teams mm-hmm. when they touch like there's more bonding like they mm-hmm. do it so when you see like when you think about you know sports teams and like men or women sports teams touching but we're talking about when like I hear this undercurrent of just like male, female. It's like if our society was more accepting of platonic same sex touch, like mm-hmm. in certain cultures, men will walk down the street holding hands. Yeah. When but I was in Uganda, the men held hands. But we, that's and not interestingly enough, though, it was illegal to be gay there. <laughs> but yet men would walk around holding hands. So. Yeah. It really goes to show the difference in cultures drastically. And I really do think here men are physically and mentally isolated because of because of our of the gender roles and homophobic culture that we're in. And you're correct. Yeah. Really the only way men get safe platonic touch today is either through their parents or by being in these sports groups where it's a pat on the back or a a wrestling team or pat on the butt, whatever it is to just like show that manly support. Um, And they're not able to really interact with each other in any other way. Like for a guy to hug another guy that isn't as widely as accepted. Yeah. Yeah. Culturally. And it's not. And if it were more accepted that, you know, you have that consent, it helps women to know that they like, it doesn't have to just come from females. Correct. And so we've talked about all the positives of touch. Are there any negative side effects or psychological effects on touch deprivation? If someone goes, I guess, touch deprivation, meaning they go prolonged periods of time with just no touch at all. Like I think if, if someone doesn't have close family or kids and or a spouse and I mean gosh I bet people can go days weeks months without touch 
Yeah. And in the society that we live in today, it's go, 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 go. Right. Right. And that increases our cortisol levels, which is our stress hormone. Mm-hmm. And so then when we have the stress hormone, it suppresses our thyroid, it decreases our muscle tissue, it creates blood sugar imbalances, um, it increases abdominal fat. And um, so when we decrease those cortisol levels, those stress hormones with oxytocin, you end up with oxytocin can decrease depression, anxiety, pain, aggression. Mm -hmm. And I personally think that we can, um, if we provide loving platonic touch to our children more, then we may not have as many people as criminals later on. Yeah. You know, because we all just need love and support in life. Yeah. Which is why Sam started Cuddle Up to Me. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm curious, Kara, what led you to get involved and become a professional cuddler then? It was back in 2014? Yes. Yeah. I was cuddling with a group of friends just at my friend's house. And I remember popping my head up and being like, I want to be a cuddler one day. This would be an amazing job. And probably a year later, Sam was on CNN. And I had about five different people randomly message me and say, you need to apply for this job. And so I applied and kept talking to Sam for a year. Before she was hiring people and she broke it down to out of over a hundred applicants, five people. Wow. Wow. And she was going to decide on three of us and then, or two of us and then decided to do three of us. And at the time I was a little worried because I was um, doing my nutrition program and then I didn't know if I was gonna be able to up be able to give her the time that she needed and then it worked out perfectly and it was all in divine order and I was very grateful to be a part of this and be able to bring joy and light into people's lives and hug them and um, I've had people within seconds just crying in my arms I've had people say that I'm their hero because they just need that non-judgmental support and listening and kindness in their life. Yeah. Um, and it's it's been just a beautiful journey to see people transform and see clients come and stop coming because they don't need us anymore. It's mm. wonderful. <laughs> what other services does Cuddle Up To Me provide? So we do group cuddles. We offer consent workshops. We offer individual cuddle sessions. And Sam offers a certification for cuddling as well. And there's over 50 different poses that we do that um, people learn. So, okay. So you come in. Cuddle poses? Cuddle poses, Mm -hmm. yeah. So do you like pick? Is there like a menu? (laughs) We actually have a cuddle menu. Um, but most people don't necessarily 
choose from it. We guide them based off of what their needs are. So if we have somebody who comes in and they are just absolutely shaking because they haven't had touch and they're scared of what this will be, um, we will do something where we're just, I put my hand out and they can hold my hand whenever they're ready or we'll lie next to them without touch, you know, that type of thing. Or there's other people who just want a full embrace and just want to be hugged and cuddled. Yeah. So it just depends on what somebody needs, really. Yeah. I guess, could you elaborate on that? Like, what are the different, what are the different reasons that people come cuddle? And, and like you said, you, do you guys just kind of gauge based on your experience and, and feeling out their energy? Like what, what types of cuddles would work best for them? Yeah. We have people who are grieving. We have people who mm. are going through a divorce, who have autism, PTSD, any form of terminal illness, um, people who just haven't had touch, who don't interact with a lot of people in their lives and just would like to have somebody to talk to. Yeah. It's a lot of touch or a lot of talk therapy too. I was going to ask that, like, what to. are they hoping to get out of it? And is, yeah, as they're talking. Yeah. A lot of the times people who haven't had a lot of touch in their life leave and the feeling that just awesome feeling of oxytocin just feeling lighter, feeling happier, feeling calm and a little bit more generous or empathic carries with people for up to about two weeks. So the, so the average person that comes in, do they, do they do it just once or do they set up like a rotation? Like a, like do they have like regular appointments. Some people will come in. So some people will come in for an hour and a half session and which is mostly our average and that would be every two weeks or every week. And some people come in once a month. Some people come in every six months. It just depends on what a person's needs are. Most people, actually everyone <laughs> that comes in, Always comes back. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, I That's had great. a young woman who came in and she said, I'm probably only going to do this once. Um, I know that I need it, but I just, you know, I don't think I'm going to be coming back. And I said, okay, I trust yourself, you know, and just knowing internally, okay, I would see her again. And she's one of my regular clients who I yeah. see um, every two weeks. So is there like a, speaking of consent, as we've been saying, I mean, is there a a screening process that you get to do? I mean, before you cuddle with somebody, obviously to make sure you're going to be comfortable, to make sure, I'm sure they might even have preferences on whether they cuddle um, with a man, a woman, or if there's someone that, you know, is there, is there a vetting process? There is. Safety is so important for us. And so... We do a 30-minute consult with people beforehand okay. to make sure that we feel comfortable with them. And as cuddlers, um, it is we are allowed to refuse service if we don't feel safe with somebody, mm -hmm. And which we've never done that I'm aware of. And we 
talk to them about their concerns and ask them about what they enjoy in life. And, you know, we just talk to people regularly and get to know them so they become comfortable with us and we become comfortable with them. I'm sure um, boundaries probably have become important then, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And we get their ID to make sure that they're not a criminal. Yeah. You know, we know who they are. Yeah. That. Yeah. We take payment beforehand and all of that. And then um, we have... Um, is there like a to don't list? <laughs> there is. Okay. There's a, we have a whole form that we have them fill out. Of don'ts, or, yeah. Of, well, not necessarily don'ts because we don't want to make anybody feel like they're being reprimanded, but a whole thing of guidelines to make sure that their intentions are the same as ours. So we have them sign that. And then we have pictures that show these are the areas that are off limits, which is basically the bathing suit areas. And mm -hmm. every single time they come in, they sign that page because as a reminder. And then with Sam's training, we were taught um, redirection techniques. And so if somebody goes to... Wandering hands. Yes, exactly. Wandering hands. <laughs> so if we get wandering hands, they their hands don't get to wander too far because my hand is blocking their hand from reaching my butt or anything like that. And they don't feel like they've been reprimanded because I'm not saying, oh, no, don't do that. They just realize, oh, okay, that's the boundary. Yeah. And they move on. Okay. So speaking of cuddling's pretty intimate and you're talking about redirection, um, do clients become aroused during a session? Is this common? <laughs> it is, it's actually surprisingly enough, not that common, hmm. mainly because when a person is crying yeah. on your shoulder or they're, um, lamenting on their life traumas, their head isn't sexual, yeah. right? And so... It's therapy. Right. It's therapy. Absolutely. It's touch therapy. And we have... We talk to people about that and we let them know that it's a natural thing. It's a natural occurrence. If you get aroused, it's okay but to shift your body in a different direction so it's not affecting me as a cuddler. I had a client who we went into a cuddle pose and he kind of got real anxious and said, this isn't a platonic pose for me. I need to move. Yeah, and yeah. I said, great. Thank you for letting me mm -hmm. know. And we just shifted and all was fine. You know? That's great. So it's just letting people know that it's okay and it's just not to act on that. Yeah. If anything arises. Yeah, so you're, yeah, you're making... No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, not really, like really trying not to shame people, but being like you, it sounds like you've got the bases covered so that you're, you're talking about the things that could happen and you don't want it to come as a surprise. You don't want to bring out shame. So like, I'm still trying to envision like, Jade, what are you following me? Like, what so are you like in one pose in the session like what is the I'm trying to envision what this session actually looks like <laughs> um well it well first of all a session has all different um 
energies that it could be. It could be a fun giggly session. It could be a calm, serene session. It could be a very emotional session. It could be a silent session where people (laughs) may fall asleep. Yeah. (laughs) And people ask us either to wake them up or let them keep sleeping, depending on where they're at that day. And so it just depends on what a person needs. Snooze cruise. (laughs) (laughs) We don't get that too much, but it definitely happens. (laughs) Um, Um, But a session would be, um, we let's say we have an hour session. We may do three poses during that time. Just because a person is so comfortable and they're talking about something and we don't want to shift or whatever that may be. Or we may do 10 poses during that time. Uh, It just really depends on a person's comfort level and how often they ask to shift because they get to guide. They guide whether or not we talk or not. They, by leading the conversation, they guide whether or not they want to change poses or not. So it's really up to them. We guide them into the poses that we think are best for them because we have poses that will drop their heart. If a person's super nervous in the beginning, we have poses that will drop their heart rate within a couple minutes and or a couple seconds actually and help them feel more calm and relaxed. You're doing a lot of healing. So at the end of a session or at the end of a, you know, work day, do you feel drained? Do you feel healed yourself? I guess what effect does it have on you? I'm curious. So regarding feeling drained, it's, I, it's so important to do your own self-care, right? So I do acrobatic yoga. And that's my form of receiving touch outside of here. And so that way I make sure I have good um, platonic touch, right? Mm -hmm. And I go dancing and things like that. But I also, on an energetic level, protect myself from absorbing everybody's stuff just because it's really, it could be draining if you don't come in strong. And so, and leaving all my stuff at the door. So yeah. I'm really there with another person. It seems like a safe space person. for you here. Yeah. Even when we came space. in, you seem really comfortable and safe here. Thank you. Yeah. So mm-hmm. speaking of energy, though, like, do you critics? Like, do people, I mean, I've heard people say, like, well, isn't cuddling the same as sex work? Like, what do, What are some of the things that you hear, you, you know, that, that um, and what do you say that, that it's not, that, that what cuddling is and cuddling is not. Well, I would say for me personally, I'll tell somebody, oh, I'm a professional cuddler. Yeah. And I get that like look, uh-huh. you know, of it's either, oh, I really want to do that. Or it's, oh, really? That's what you do? Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. And that there's that sexual connotation in the background, right? And so... It's amazing to see people's mentality around professional cuddling shift as soon as I say, yeah, I have clients who are depressed, who have autism, who are grieving and dealing with all these emotional things of life and they come in and I just hold space for them and listen to them and let them cry in my arms if they need to. And people are like, what? 
<laughs> That's what you do? Oh, I don't think I could do that. That just sounds way too hard. I don't know about that. You know? And it is so hard to be vulnerable. <laughs> right? right? <laughs> but so it's it just shifts people's mentality around touch immediately. They're like, yeah. what? Oh, oh. You're right. I guess I I could really use a hug. <laughs> right. So it's really yeah, we really have this platonic. I mean, do clients ever fall in love with you? So Sometimes that happens. And when we see it happening, Uh we ask them to go to other cuddlers as well. Okay. So we spread them throughout multiple cuddlers so they can't get attached to any one of us as soon as we see that start happen. Mm -hmm. Good to know. Well, this was really awesome and really informative. Thank you so much. You know, especially for those who may have never heard of professional cuddling before. Thank you so much. Sounds pretty Portland. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's really cool. Is it only Portland? Actually, no, I don't believe so. We, um, so there is a group cuddle, a group cuddle in LA, um, led by Cuddle Sanctuary. Okay. And then we have... I know New York does cuddle parties Mm -hmm. and then Sam does certifications where people will learn and then they'll go to other states or other countries and start to build their own cuddle practice. So her goal is really to expand cuddling and just platonic touch and safe touch throughout the world. So people understand that it's okay to like hug each other or just even shake each other's hands or whatever it may be, you know, and so touches, yeah, touches healing. And is there anything coming up that you want to talk about in any, any events or any events or consent workshops or just like on a regular rotation like check out the calendar yeah i would I check we have a meetup group uh-huh and that is called social connection so just look up in the meetup yeah yeah and that has our um consent workshops which are once a month Mm-hmm. And then that has our group cuddle workshops and our um, social club that Sam does as well. So if somebody doesn't want to touch and they just want some support and want to get a little bit vulnerable, they can do that as well. Get um, a little bit vulnerable. <laughs> so for any follow-up questions or serious inquiries, Kira can be reached by email at Kira at CuddleUpToMe.com. Or by Facebook, Kira Cuddles. Uh, you can also go to cuddleuptome.com to get more information about services and book an appointment. Yeah. Thanks, Thank you, Kira. Kira. Yeah, this was great. Big hugs. Big <laughs> hugs. <laughs> hugs, hugs. And to close, we have a poem by Spencer M. Free. Uh, Free graduated from the College of Physicians and Surgeons of the John Hopkins University back in like 1880. He practiced medicine and surgery for like 50 years, um, but also wrote, uh, on top of all these medical papers, wrote a ton of poems, I guess. And this one poem has become famous. It's called uh, The Human Touch, and it's been widely quoted and, and on the internet, so we thought we'd share it. Tis the human touch in the world that counts, the touch of your hand and mine, which means far more to the sinking heart than shelter or bread or wine. 
For shelter is gone when the night is over, and bread lasts only a day. But the touch of the hand and the sound of the voice live on in the soul always. Nice. Thank you, Keely. And that's a wrap for today. Woo. Remember to follow our podcast, Hearts and Other Sex Parts. Uh, we're on iTunes and SoundCloud full free. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Facebook as Hearts and Other Sex Parts. Feel free to write us feedback or questions by direct messaging our Instagram or Facebook pages or emailing us at heartsandothersexparts at gmail.com. And lastly, if you want to support our podcast expenses and educational resources, go to GoFundMe.com and find our Hearts and Other Sex Parts donation page, which is also linked in our Facebook bio. Thanks for listening. Your hosts encourage you to stay open. And remember, self-love is the best love.